Hello there and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm Lee Brannigan and I'm joined with the head of Irish Film London, Jerry Maguire. You're back with me this week, Jerry. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, Nave. Um, you kept the ship sailing without me last time. Thanks for that. No problem at all. Anytime, anytime. Not that you need me to do a podcast. <laughs> I'm going to try and go to some London Film Festival stuff this week uh, yes. and next week, um, whenever it's on. Um, there's a couple of couple of cool things I'm interested in seeing. Um, new Pat Collins documentary, The Dance, is on. Um, there's a really good uh, looking industry conversation with Ed Gainey from um, Element Pictures. Oh, brilliant! So I'm going to try and get down to both of them. I um, saw the trailer for Wolf as well. Did you? Yeah, it looks brilliant. Okay, I haven't seen that yet. I'm going to go hunt that out. Um, I'm going to try and also... watch the souvenir. Souvenir to part two is in the festival as well i'm gonna try and catch that oh brilliant there's also a lot of new um irish films just being released constantly which is amazing constantly every time we chat there's like loads of them coming out which is brilliant one film that is released today and uh, now we're a few days ahead of this podcast release but it is deadly cuts which is today's podcast episode brilliant deadly cuts as people will probably know is a comedy set in uh, a hair salon in Dublin. Um, it's your classic sort of ensemble of female characters that have to overcome crazy odds. Um, it is kind of two films in one, as mm. some reviewers have said. It's on the one hand, like they're trying to overcome the problems in their community. And then on the other side, there's this massive like talent show that they go on. It's kind of um, kind of like... I don't know what what would you call it strictly style or something? yeah it's quite strictly ballroom style I think it's just right. such a it's such a great it's just an underdog story I mean who doesn't oh, yeah. love an underdog story absolutely yeah and it's hilarious mm. to vote which always helps for a comedy I find definitely and then also <laughs> um father of the cyborgs father of the cyborgs is the other one that's out um in cinemas on a Friday October 8th so um It'll be out by the time people listen to this, yeah. Um, so it's a documentary about a guy who... Um, <laughs> how do you, how can you put this in a way that doesn't sound mad? Because it is mad. But um, there's a guy who basically um, was working on ways to support people who are locked in, who have, like, you know, debilitating sort of life conditions where they can't really use their bodies, but they're still conscious and thinking and everything. And um, he was working with ways to use implants to help people to communicate through their brain, like a, like a brain machine interface, basically. Oh, um, wow. And he couldn't, he couldn't advance his research quick enough on his own uh, by just like finding people who, themselves or whose families were willing to consent to having this incredibly invasive brain operation done yeah. so we did what any what any sane respectable scientist would do and he operated on himself and became a cyborg or didn't he didn't operate on himself like he wasn't quite that mad scientisty but he like you know he put himself on he the volunteered table. as tribute yeah <laughs> yeah no. yeah um and yeah he's got like a ton of um he had a ton of stuff in his in his brain um, yeah, and just a load of interviews with him about the process and why he felt it was worth taking the risk. I mean, 
it's just a crazy story um it's a solid hour documentary that's worth watching friday october 15th in the uk and ireland finally sees the cinema release of Aract. i just think that is so cool for an irish film to be released over in the uk and like in cinemas and and such a fantastic one as well yeah really really cool yeah i'm really keen to see like like I'm, re- I'm really keen to see what like how English audiences respond to mm. it. Like actually, yeah. kind of for deadly cuts as well, because you know, like comedies don't travel very well, and I think like because it's so like how would you describe deadly cuts? It's like it, it's it's quite Dublin centric humor in a way. Absolutely, yeah. It's very uh, in the words of. Uh... Foil Arms and Hog. It's uh, it's basically in in Dublinese. It's not dubbed, but uh, <laughs> or subtitled. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe it should be for some people. Whereas yeah, yeah. Aroct is actually technically a foreign language film, um, yeah. and if is you're, subtitled. If you're Berla, yeah, yeah, but uh, but Deadly Cuts uh, is uh, is very Dublinese for sure. But definitely, st- like, still check it out. Like, it's such a feel good film. But we've got loads of events coming up as well. So Black History Month this month. Yeah, Black History Month, all of October, obviously. Um, uh, please check out any local event listings that you have where you are. Um, there's always interesting, informative, educational discussions. Um, we're going to try and have one at Irish Film London. There's a lot we can talk about in the Irish community um, about how we share experiences with other immigrant communities in the UK. And I think that there is enough crossover and enough sort of a sort of an intersectional conversation that we can have around that to justify us doing that. At Irish Film London, we've been given a wee tiny bit of money by Southwark Council, where we're based, to um, have an online discussion. And we're going to do that on the 15th of October, um, which is a Friday. It's just going out on our social media channels, Facebook Live and YouTube Live. Um, it's a discussion with some people like Lorraine Maher of I Am Irish. And then there's a couple of people from an organization based in Brixton called Irish and Jamaican, and they spell it E-Y-E for Irish. Um, so that's Richie and T, and they're uh, an Irish slash Jamaican, uh, Jamaican British couple. Um, and they're responsible for those T-shirts and hoodies that you might have seen that oh, say yeah. more blacks, more dogs, more Irish. Yeah, amazing. So, um, yeah, we're going to chat to them about what their experience is of being black and Irish hmm. and use some film clips and just talk about people's experience and how it crosses over. I think, like, if we can build some solidarity through an activity like that, then it's worth doing. Absolutely, absolutely. And then as well in October on this 17th of October in the London Irish Centre, we have a gorgeous event, which is a screening of the film Song of the Sea. I think it's at two o'clock. So I think it's a Sunday as well. So that's right. What a gorgeous way to spend a Sunday, either with friends or on your own or with family, because the the Song of the Sea is just so beautiful. So definitely have a look at tickets for that. Oscar nominated animation from Cartoon Saloon, um, part of their Irish mythology trilogy of Oscar nominated films, which include Secret of Kells and Wolf Walkers, of course. Um, that event is another collaboration we're doing with Conrad Nagelaga. And as such, we're showing Song of the Sea as Gaelica, 
um, Amran Namara to give it its its Gaelic name. Um, so that's that's at the London Irish Centre in Camden. Tickets are on sale now. You can go to the IFL website, irishfilmlondon.com, and find those or check our socials. Um, there's an Eventbrite link for those. There's 20-odd tickets available still at this time. Um, so hopefully, hopefully people will come down. Um, so we are doing the Irish language audio, but we're doing English subtitles. Um, so yeah and we've got a deal on for family tickets if you want to come down to that gorgeous and then while you're on the website buying those tickets um also see what i did there also check out um irish film from home we've got um some lgbt shorts with the liverpool irish film festival that's right so liverpool irish festival if you are if you happen to be in the northwest and are a member of the irish community there you likely got uh a catalogue through your door um, this week gone by for a Liverpool Irish Festival. It's a big, fe- a really big cultural festival um, in Liverpool and we're really happy to be partnering with them on a little series of short films um, which we call London to Liverpool and um, yeah, we chose we chose six LGBT Irish shorts um, to just coincide with the theme of Liverpool Festival, Liverpool Irish Festival this year. So they're on Irish Film from Home from October 21st until the end of the month. You can watch them all for just a fiver. Um, and please do check them out. Definitely. And then lastly, which is very exciting because it's fastly approaching, is the Irish Film Festival London is coming up very soon. It's and coming up the soon. Program will be announced on the 22nd of October. 22nd of October. So which is so close. It's so close. So definitely keep an eye on our socials for that. And yeah. on top of that, you can become a member if you like, and you can get some free tickets, or yes. better yet. If you become a champion, you um, get free tickets and you get all the, the, the kind of the first nods of everything going on, That's including it. an invite to the awards, which is in the Irish Embassy in London, which I can say firsthand is a great <laughs> night. It's a great oh, yeah. night out. Oh, yeah. So exclusive definitely. red carpet event with loads of Irish film celebs that you don't want to miss. That you can't yeah. miss. You just no. can't miss. On October 22nd, all will be revealed for the 10th edition of the Irish Film Festival London. Um, slightly breaking it because there's so much still to do. And once we announce it, then it's like no backsies. You gotta you no gotta backsies. follow through. <laughs> you gotta follow it's gonna through be great. Deliver events. Yes. It's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun. And I think it's like especially having missed out last year as well, it's just gonna be all the more special for sure. Just a quick note, in case there are small ears around, there is some language used in this episode of the podcast, and just to entice you even more, here's a snippet of the Deadly Cuts trailer. Enjoy! Piglin's town, town full of pigs. Hello Deadly Cuts, this is Michelle. 
You're late, Chantel. I had to walk the long way because Dino said that he was going to shave my head. Oh, for God's sake, Chantel. I heard that he'd done it to Laura Martin and I had like a bleeding Maltese. You know Dino robs half his takings every month? Protection, he calls it. Wish his dad had he protection. <laughs> <laughs> With the gang escalate, we're knocking down the shops. Dino's everybody's trouble. What the hell do you think you're doing? Let her go! Let me! <laughs> I'll be taking all I can. Have your money over here, you prick. Murder. There was. But we left that off the menu the last time. Now, the chicken is served in a skewer, so we stab it through. I think we'll have just four vodkas. Thanks, Patsy. Girls, your hairstyle show. Council isn't one going to shut down shop with an award-winning salon in it. We have to try it. Hello and welcome to the Women of Deadly Cuts. I am joined with writer-director Rachel Carey, Angeline Ball, who plays Michelle, Erica Rowe, who plays Stacey, Lauren Larkin, who plays Gemma, and Sean Higgins, who plays Chantel. I've got them all here. I feel very, very privileged, the fact I've managed to nail you all down. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat to me, because I know when a movie is released, press is absolutely mad. So I really appreciate you squeezing me in. First of all, I do want to say congratulations on an amazing film. And also, you all looked amazing at the premiere the other night. I'd say you all had an absolute ball. So I do want to ask, before we kind of get into the film, what was it like bringing your family and friends and getting to share that experience with them? Because I know it was premiered at Dublin Film Festival last year, but I'd say it was just such a dream to be able to go physically and experience it with everyone together in one room. So what was that like, Rachel, for you to to show what you've created to all your family and friends? Uh, it was crazy. A dream is a good word. I was saying like uh, it was a bit of a haze for me the night. Like I had to get up and speak in front of the crowd, which I wasn't expecting. I spilled a glass of wine all over myself. You know, when you've kind of lost all your social skills a little bit. So there was that like there was emerging from the pandemic. And then also it was like, wow, finally, here's Deadly Cuts on the screen. So it was absolutely meant to hear it with a live audience and to feel it in the room for the first time was just, you know, gratifying, I think is the word. Oh, I'd say it was electric. And Angeline, what was it like then coming coming back to the hometown for uh, for a big premiere? Oh, you know, it, for me, it always starts at the airport, whoever picks you up, you know, and you just get straight into the banter, like, you know, nice weather and what's it like over there? And it really <laughs> is kind of like there and here, you know, even though there's not that. Well, the weather's actually the same. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know it, it just is just lovely um always to come home and I don't know there's and especially this time of year I love October I love kind of Halloweeny weather and I love that kind of smell of you know um the peat if they still have a few fires going in Dublin so it just reminds me of being home and yeah it was nerve-wracking I have to say because you know no matter what like to as Rachel says in front of a live audience um, it can be nerve-wracking in your hometown, um, can be a bit, oh, but it was just, it transcended, like, because I only saw it on a laptop, and we got, I think we got two goes each to watch it on the laptop, but my daughter, she destroyed it, she says, give me it, and, like, did the laptop, and I, I didn't, I missed all the views, I had to actually ask for one more view, so I saw it on a tiny laptop, so, um, it was just amazing to see it on screen, and see the lovely girls, and, and done up, beautiful you know it's just such a proud moment and to see Rachel and everybody see our hard work because we filmed it in around 
like December. So see our hard work come to fruition, you know, and see it all married together. It's just great. And Lauren, you would, uh, along with the other girls as well, you'd be um, usually in theatre as well. So I'd say it was so much fun to be able to bring your family and friends to the cinema this yeah. time around. Very, like, it's quite different, you know, especially because lo- most of my work has been predominantly theatre for the past 10 years. So it's kind of a bit of a transition. And it felt like a, like Angeline was saying, a very proud moment being able to bring your folks to something like that, you know. Mm. I kind of like, oh, at least now, like dropping out of midwifery isn't such a big, a big deal for them. <laughs> like at least they got to go to a premiere, you know. Yeah, I mean? something, something came out of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can exactly. give it up now. You just give up the acting now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and Erica, die happy. Yeah, <laughs> Erica, what was it like having all your your family and friends there to see on the big screen? Yeah, it was great. Like for all the family and friends, but. We actually never got to see it together either. So I think we were all like a little bit more excited for that. Obviously, I was dying for my mom, my sisters to see it, but I was actually more excited to see it with the girls and get to have that laugh together. And like Lauren said, it's different than bringing them to the theater or whatever, because everyone was kind of a little bit leery as well. Everyone was giving it all the you and <laughs> it was just great to see all the, the cast more. So and that sounds bad. Like it was obviously great to see with my family, but I was more delighted to see with Rachel and the girls and you know, like so. Yeah. yeah. And Shauna, was it a bit different? Did you get to watch it at the when it premiered at the Dublin Film Festival, like from going from at home on a laptop to to the cinema? Yeah, so um, my family, like when the Dublin International Film Festival came out, my family actually did a little kind of red carpet in the sitting room downstairs, and they had uh, they had it up on the telly, and also we watched it on that. And but same thing, you know, there was like people we were all fucking locked, so there's people drinking, and we were like all past us that, and so we couldn't really kind of get. I was like telling everyone to shut up, but uh, <laughs> they, they couldn't really listen properly. So like getting to see them like uh, the other night at the premiere, like actually like my boyfriend, he was like, every time I watch it, something else pops out. And with the audience, yeah. everything else is like, it's so funny. He was like, oh, there was bits that I missed at the start. So like listening to them saying that there was each time they say it, it gets funnier and funnier. It was obviously great. Um, and like what Erica said, listening, watching it with the cast was so funny as well. That's brilliant. Like, I obviously watch. I've obviously seen it, but I'm going. I'm already looking forward to going to see it again because I know, like that as well. I'm gonna pick up more stuff or see more things that I didn't the first time around. Yes. So whippersnappy, you know, with her lines, she's like razor sharp, like lines, and if you blink, you miss them. So it's worth two or three goals, you know. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Everyone listening, two or three goes. (laughs) So let's go right back. So Rachel, where did the inspiration for Deadly Cuts come from? And kind of like, what was the writing process like? Was it pretty straightforward or did it take a long time before you were kind of happy with the finished product of the of the script? Um, Yeah, it definitely took a long time. I think the original idea came about, I knew I wanted to do comedy. I knew I wanted to do young women. Um, I go to the hairdresser a lot. That always makes me sound like a weird, like, that's not weird, <laughs> blow dries. No, you know, um, just, you know, for cheap little blow dries. And just for I research, always, obviously. Yeah, well, that's what I was able to say eventually, yeah. Um, so, and I'd always enjoy sitting in, you know, the little local salons and the buzz you get in there. And I kind of realized it was a ripe place for comedy. Now, with hairdressing comedy has been done before, obviously, but... Uh, I sort of thought, you know, it hasn't been done in Dublin and it's particularly funny 
here, I think, you know, and it's so familiar to us. So anyway, that the original idea was just this sort of elevator pitch of vigilante hairdressers in a working class community. And I pitched that at the Galway Film Festival in 2017, and that's where it got picked up. But I mean, it changed massively from there. I went on such a journey with it. Like I really had to get to the heart of it, I suppose, um, rather than just the, you know, fun and the comedy aspect, which is kind of the, the easy part. So I worked really closely with the film board, came on board early enough. I had brilliant producers involved, um, Alvin Lush and Liz Gill and Kira Appleby and O'Sullivan Productions, they were brilliant. Um, and everyone just got behind the film. So they really wanted to help. So the writing process, I'd say, there was a good 15 drafts, I'd say, you know, and it, it evolved quite a bit. Some bits never changed, some bits never changed. And um, what I really had to, I, and it was my first feature as well. So I really had to kind of find my voice, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a long process, I suppose, um, but worth it. Absolutely. And like, I know that you've said that you wanted to, it to be authentic and have the representation of Irish women from these areas and to have a film full to the brim of such strong female leads was such a joy to watch. And girls, there was such amazing chemistry between all of you. And it really felt like we were just kind of a fly on the wall in a local hair salon where all the girls are mates. So was there much kind of workshopping or spending time together before the shoot or did it kind of all just naturally fit into place um uh, erica if you want to take this one yeah like me sean i knew sean separately like me and sean know each other since we were kids we went to like a national performing arts school together and then me and lauren had done a show together as well so uh, we knew each other like um individually or whatever and then i remember the first morning going out to meet angeline and i was shitting myself because i was like oh my god this is someone i've admired for so long and i remember me and the girls talking about it and then obviously the girls will probably tell you more now as well because the two of them are from cabaret and so is angeline but i remember going out to the to the car when we were being collected and angeline was there and i was like oh my god oh my god but it was like instantly we all just connected and i know that sounds very cliche but we actually genuinely did straight away we just all hit it off and that was actually the first morning filming wasn't it yeah, no. so was it? No, we went out and did like some prep out at the. Oh, we did a read through. We did a read through. The yeah. read through, yeah, the yeah. Wardrobe and stuff, yeah. And then we had our day at at the glamour pit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We went. Oh, down, what is that? I want to hear about that. We went down to this place on Mead Street called the Glamour Pit to get our nails done. And yeah, we, we had a little bonding day, a few glasses of Prosecco as well that day. But it was, it was just an instant thing. Like straight away, we were all just able to have the crack slagging each other. Just, That's yeah, was, so nice. Well, it really comes across. And like, Angeline, was that was that quite daunting then? Well, like one to kind of like that, as we were saying, come home to, to now do this, another kind of really authentic, like quintessentially Irish Dublin film and then also to come in to to uh, a group that you know you don't really know that well yet um well like Erica says the girls were just absolutely lovely you know and um they made me feel so welcome but I think also um I think if you're a genuine person and I'm not kind of blowing my own trumpet but I'm from Cabra and there's a great saying you can take the girl out of Cabra but you can't take Cabra out of the girl you know <laughs> I think I always feel that you know I've worked in the industry a long time and you know you get to see people acting the idiot 
you get to see people acting the diva, you get to see all that, and you kind of look at them and say, you know, that's that's not me, that's not the way I want for my life or my career or whatever. Um, I was just so excited and I was delighted actually to see, I hadn't met the girls um, and I don't live in Dublin. So like, I wouldn't have seen them in theater or on, you know, whatever they've done, but it was just so incredible to see uh, these three extremely talented actresses um, extremely lovely girls as well. And um, just, you know, to watch them work, to, to chat to them, they were filling me in about everything in Dublin, which was wonderful. It was like the 20 years never happened, you know? So that was brilliant. But I think, you know, it was, it was just brilliant. Again, it's down to great casting and being authentic, I think. I think if there was one, like one amongst us that wasn't as authentic as the others, I think we'd, they'd be out. <laughs> oh yeah they would have stood out for sure words, put it that way <laughs> and shauna erica was saying there so you guys did a reading kind of a long time ago right for the for the film yeah we did it in like 2018 and um, so when you guys read this were you like i have to be involved in this oh my god yeah the two of us sat beside each other obviously because we knew each other like and uh the two like both reading our own lines like we'd already pre-read the script going into it and like we were cracked up and like after it uh we walked outside and we were like we have to get these roles like what how are we going to do this like how do we get in involved in this trying to like make up a plan well like I don't know the casting agent just called us and we kind of went from there but we were like trying to like organize right how do we get cast in this what do we do ourselves like <laughs> as if we have any say in the casting process like um but yeah um but from that moment like we were like we have to get this I think we knew like because Rachel uh came up to us at the end I was like that was very good and brilliant and all and we were like we have this you know <laughs> we were like yeah great at these roles um, what what is it what is it like affirmations where you're putting it into the universe yeah like, you know it's gonna happen manifesting it manifesting yeah. it i was saying then, uh, sorry yeah. i was thinking all the nannies and all the mammies would be lighting candles Anthony, or which is the one that whatever St. Anthony helps you find things I think find the role or I don't know. It's gas only like that one. When the girls talk about that, because I was stalking them at the other end. Like little did we all know. It's like one of those relationships where you're both playing hard to get or something. You know, like nobody <laughs> you're like, you fancied me, I fancied you. I was watching them, like online and stuff and going, I hope they don't get cast now and something else. Like visions of don't tell me like they're after getting cast and there's a and um, so it's hilarious. We probably should have just opened up about our feelings yeah. from the start. <laughs> so Rachel was was yeah. uh, was Lauren then just kind of the the final piece to the puzzle. She was, yeah. So we were searching for a Gemma then, and it was like we have to find someone who's as good as these these two and fits with the chemistry. And I'd gone to see Lauren in the Snapper, which you're in as well. It might, yeah, I was right. blonde at the time. Right. Well, no wonder I didn't. So you're another one of the girls. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. It was very good. And I thought Lauren was brilliant. And we'd seen loads of people. And for some reason, I just hadn't brought her in. And then Erica was like, you should really see Lauren. And I was like, yeah, OK. I don't know what it was. Like, I just hadn't seen her in there in the mix. And then she came in and cracked me up. Do you remember that line, Lauren? You won't fit. It was so yeah. <laughs> Just in the audition, just the way she delivered it, I was in bits. And uh, the three of them got along so well. 
So the relief, I suppose, is what I felt because it was a difficult cast and I wanted authentic working class voices and, you know, young women who are brilliant actors and brilliant at comedy. And there's not that many, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think as well, the girls, I think everyone who goes to watch it is going to say, oh, yeah, no, I know Stacey or, oh, yeah, that person's Gemma or I'm a Chantel, like all very relatable or everyone knows at least one kind of one of the girls um, and Erica. So like Stacy is like, she's so strong and determined, but she also has this gorgeous kind of side story, which is the relationship with her mother. Um, so kind of chat me through that because it could be so easy to miss all of that with all of the chaos that's going on around her, but your performance in those moments are so tender and genuine. What was it like kind of dipping in and out of that vulnerable side of Stacey? Um... Uh, you know the same way that me and Angeline have like that or I just remember doing that and I was like I don't know how to explain this I don't I suppose like I feel like Stacey is quite like me in a, in a way I feel like me and like the girls like we're all quite like your characters to a certain extent and I don't know and I obviously we were having so much crack within all the different scenes or whatever but I just remember doing that same with Angeline and I was like oh god like obviously I knew she was vulnerable and all and all this but it was when I was doing that scene and I was looking at Angelina, like, I, 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 I don't know what I'm trying to say. It kind of felt for me like it was as, as if Michelle was definitely on like an equal and a friend of Stacey's, but also a kind of mother figure mother to figure. the girls as well. Mm-hmm. And that I think that scene is so beautiful because although um, Stacey is so adamant about, you know, and focused on her relationship with her mom, who's over in Spain, yeah. you know, she kind of does overlook the mother figure that she has right there at home already. Yeah. And it just really, it really was really beautiful. And re- it really complimented um, Stacey's overall kind of arc, I thought was really, really gorgeous. So I'd say that was such a joy to play. Yeah, no, it was. And that, that that's actually exactly what it was. It was like, that, that same, I think she's kind of realizing, oh God, this is what and what I should be like or whatever. Erica, are you playing as well about like, it's so nice because Stacey has been so funny and you know the way they say funny is a front. Yeah. She's been so funny and she's been so brash and she's rough around the edges just to see that real vulnerable moment. It re- it pays, it's a real good payoff to see like, you know, how how she she's just a little kid who wants to be loved really like. Yeah, she's just you looking know. for approval. That's exactly it, Lauren. Just right, we'll go yeah. back and pretend I said all that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'll be Gem, it's your Stacey anytime, yeah. okay? <laughs> well, that perfectly brings me on to Lauren. So, Lauren, Gemma is kind of the Dr. Phil of the group, and she's the one you go to with your problems to help you to chat through things with. And knowing you, which I have the pleasure of knowing you, I can't imagine you had to do too much kind of character searching for that, as you are the queen of listening with a big heart and giving great advice, Uh, which is also like is a big hairdresser characteristic, because sometimes you're not only kind of playing paying for a blow dry you're paying for a therapy session as well. Like my hairdresser has gotten a lot out of me that I didn't didn't preempt going in to get my hair done, uh, coming out feeling like a new woman inside and out. So did you, Lauren, did you base Gemma off anyone or did you have anyone in mind or what was it like playing the, the role of Gemma? I was kind of, like the, the girls were saying, she doesn't feel too far away from me as a person anyway. Um, 
but uh no I didn't base her off anyone just that kind of you know that hairdresser that you kind of talk to who like anything you say is right <laughs> so you're like oh I could literally say anything and she'd tell me it's right like yeah so so just that kind of a that kind of a thing like you know anything like whatever way you're feeling is the right way to be feeling you know all that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of leaned into that a good bit in in terms of the performance of her or you know an army lions just kind of tried to inject that kind of um intention behind it and her lovely arc as well of you know then kind of pursuing that that kind of career of you know people and and uh, and like you know that kind of little path that she kind of has as well I think is uh, is a really gorgeous side of Gemma's story yeah totally and you know it reminds me of as well like she probably just grew up and saw that like some of the girls around the place become either like hairdressers beauticians or whatever and then didn't even think of like oh maybe I'd be good at that like the the talk and like talk therapy or whatever it might be so that's another kind of little little win as well as the big win of like getting their stops kept and you know keep the gang and all I won't say too much absolutely and <laughs> yeah don't give it away and Shauna Chantel is um the one who she doesn't quite believe in herself mm-hmm. and who's a horrific liar but when she's in the zone and she knows what she's doing and she's doing what she loves she's amazing so what kind what like attracted you to to the role of Chantel? Because I love that side of her of, you know, don't come at me when when it's when it's what I know and it's what I love. You know, I might have this kind of soft exterior on the outside, but actually inside she's really, really grounded when she's just kind yeah. of pushed in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I suppose what attracted me to her was like her naivety. Like you feel so sorry for her because like Stacy gives her a hard time and obviously like I know all the girls are in it are like terrified of the gang but she's getting threatened and she's you know she's kind of the first uh he's calling her squeak because she's afraid of him and like uh she doesn't want their head being shaved and all but when it comes to the science of the work she knows what she's talking about like Stacey's character calling her the nutty professor you know like she is like she knows her she knows her hairdressing she knows her colors but um when it comes to being like streetwise and a uh, bit confrontational like that's a no-go area where uh, so I suppose her vulnerability and naivety attracted me to her I just feel so sorry for her, even though I played like I know that was that, that's me acting but, but I, I think so I think that's what makes it so satisfying then when there are those moments of when she just smashes it you know because because mm. it's it's in there it's definitely in there in, in yeah Chantel, that strong side of her and I do yeah. I adore that line that um she has in the film of it's tricky but it's possible and I yeah. just think that's such a gorgeous line to kind of represent the movie um and for people to remember that yeah it can be hard but it can happen uh if you uh, persevere which is basically deadly cuts because I mean also who doesn't love an underdog story like what yeah. is more satisfying than being able to get an audience to rally behind a group of pe- people and kind of willing them to succeed is just uh is such a gorgeous thing uh, to have created but one thing that um that popped into my mind while I was watching it, and actually when you were saying um Rachel there that you go to the hairdressers quite a lot, is I remember being so outraged over the pandemic when businesses kind of started opening back up again and um hairdressers weren't considered essential businesses. 
which to people kind of on the outside might seem quite yeah that would be quite normal but I remember uh, we would bring my nana who has Alzheimer's every week to the hairdressers and like that she'd love getting out of the house feeling good getting to chat to the ladies and the other customers and it was like a stimulation for her along with the fact that she was also actually quite frail so washing her hair could be quite difficult so it's actually so much more than just a luxury or a treat yourself which is so important which is very important also a treat yourself but it is so much more and I love that in the film you had that mix of young and old customers as well but it really is that kind of older generation uh, that help create the community. Um, mm -hmm. And Angeline, what was it like working with the 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 older ladies in the cast, the the kind of customers of of the hair salon? It's funny because I feel as if I kind of straddled like the oldie and the youngie. I was kind of <laughs> in the middle <laughs> uh, because I'd worked with Barbara Brennan before and Helen Jordan, would you believe, many many years ago. So I knew Helen, I knew Barbara, and I knew uh, lovely Anne Kent. So they were they were kind of like I remember after the read through that I gone out, they were sitting like having a cup of tea and I went over and I was chatting to them and then I went over and chat with the kids as I call them. But um yeah, no, it was just wonderful to see them. And you know, these ladies have a wealth of experience behind them. You know, they've been doing theatre and film for you know longer than I and they're just lovely ladies as well. And that was the great thing. There was no diva in there again. Thanks, Rachel. Um, you know, they were just really nice women. Um, and, you know, in fact, Helen Jordan, lovely Helen Jordan said, well, if you're coming up for Christmas, you can we have a lovely little holiday place in Portran. So, you know, win-win. <laughs> lovely. It's, 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 it's all, you know, it's moving and grooving in the right direction. You know, I just think they were incredibly kind as well. And just their pace and you know, lovely Barbara Brennan was fantastic. They all were, they were all were brilliant. And they added a deeper color to the whole ensemble, ensemble, you know? Definitely, they really did enrich the the feeling of the the kind of hairdresser community. Um, and then speaking about community, I guess Rachel, what was it like? Where where did you guys shoot? And what was it like then with the local community? Was there any uh, local people making any cameos or anything uh, throughout the film? Um, not we shot over in Lachlanstown, which is on the south side, which I didn't know the area at all, actually. But it was kind of perfect. Um, it was so fit for purpose because it had everything just there. It had a hairdresser, it had a chipper, it had the local pub. And we were actually able to just shoot on location in all of those places. So, um, yeah, the lock, what can I say? Like, they really got behind it, I think, you know, the locals, the people in the pub. They kind of got a buzz out of it, like... Angeline is the celeb coming to town, basically. They're all coming around looking for the photographs. <laughs> um, so lovely, yeah. Like your one in the chipper was giving us chips. Um, you yeah. know, it was, they were they were excited about it. I mean, I honestly, in hindsight, I wish I'd had, it was so busy. You know, we kind of had extra shipped in. I wish we'd had the time to do more to get the locals involved from Lachlanstown, because you'd see them walking through and you're like, that's perfect. You know, that's exactly what should be on camera. But, uh, and then we'd be shipping in extras and trying to make them look like they fit in the area. Um, so no, it was good crack, perfect uh, place. And yeah, the community were great. Amazing. Well, speaking about then extras, the um, the competition then that the girls enter, obviously it just looked like such a massive production. So Lauren, what was that like shooting a kind of, 
a pretend massive huge kind of hairdressing event with loads of people and the glitz and the glam and and all that kind of stuff oh it was brilliant we did it in two places we did a bit of it in the right venue and then a bit of it where was that other place we did girls um over in Kiltearn and in a ski place yeah yeah Yeah, exactly and uh so it was it was so much fun to have the the lights and all that kind of stuff but a lot of people got very sick during that time we were I think three weeks into shooting and practically I mean half of the crew and, and cast were just mowed down with this chest infection or vomiting bug or it was insane really wasn't it yeah which it was, was probably really... COVID that we didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you can Absolutely. hear it in your lines Lauren some of them you know like if you know you can kind of hear your voices a little bit you can oh, see it in our eyes as well like our eyes there's are like one bit in, there's one bit when um you know when we're waiting to be announced as the finalists and I saw her on the big screen I said my eyes they look so puffy and sore but I was like thank god it was a wide shot <laughs> but um and like even yeah people were getting vomiting bugs uh Angeline got chest infection I had a chest infection like so in the midst of like this kind of like so it was so much fun and you got Thomas Cainborn coming in and he was playing like the host uh Kevin and everything so there was so much fun mixed in with so much sickness and um, yeah what, well what definitely but like I wouldn't have wouldn't have had a notion if you didn't say that at all you all looked fabulous and very healthy <laughs> it was one day though that when we were um there we found a karaoke room and that was great crap oh yeah <laughs> yeah I'm sure the voices weren't gone just because the karaoke or is the chest infection <laughs> Me and Shauna were up singing air hearts out, didn't think anyone could hear us. And then next of all, the fucking tour day day came up and was like, can you shut up? Everyone can hear you downstairs through the bill. And we were like, oh my God. Because we were up so early, like, because we were getting collected at like half five, six o'clock. It was like half seven. And me and were getting like, ah, I want to dance. Up in the karaoke room at half seven in the morning in full glitz and glam. That is, that's like, one way to wake up. I'm in another karaoke room dying like <laughs> <laughs> dying. I'm looking I'm, I'm lying there like looking on my Instagram and I'm seeing the two of them like scream and I will survive like <laughs> <laughs> you did and you did so I guess we'll kind of chatting about music then as well I love that it's kind of a predominantly Irish soundtrack like you've got Wavering Lingo in there and then obviously you have TKB doing the amazing DeLogan does which was in my head I'd say all weekend and I can just see people I'm got I'm bringing my fa- all of my family we're all going tomorrow night for a night out oh, to go and see it and I know they're all just going to be dancing in the aisles to that as we walk out so Rachel was that a, a conscious thing that you wanted it to be kind of that Irish uh, that that Irish sound uh, yeah definitely as much as possible I mean I, I've had a very clear idea of how I wanted the soundtrack to feel in general from very early on um, so and then as much as possible to make that Irish um, because the Irish music scene is so amazing and you know it's very hard for them to get um, you know, make money, I suppose, or get featured on things. And th- so there was so many great, you know, we've got Kneecap in there as well. They feature quite heavily. Wyvern Lingo, who I love, and uh, the lovely Karen came to the premiere. It was really nice to meet her. I'm a big fan of them. And and I discovered more Irish artists actually along the way. 
Um, but the main, what I love is the vision I always had was to get, there's a little cheer squad who feature um, in the car park as a bit of a Greek chorus and they do these cheers. And I worked with the composer, Ray Harmon to kind of turn those cheers into um, a score. Um, which you can kind of hear peppered throughout it. And I absolutely love that. That's probably my favorite part of the whole soundtrack. And you can hear the little girls and you can hear their Dublin accent coming through. Um, so yeah, it was a huge part for me. So I was delighted and I'm delighted it showcases more Irish talent. Absolutely. And where did you, where did you find the, those girls? Cause they're incredible. And I also love their little journey as well. That didn't go amiss on me either. How at the beginning they're a bit snipey with each other and whatever, and then by the end, I Me, saw it. I saw it. Up, you are picking up all <laughs> those nuggets. I'm delighted. You know, as a writer, you're like, no one will know. So thank you. I appreciate that. So the girls, so funnily enough, that we were cast and we had somebody looking for like a dance troupe or a cheer squad or whatever. And the girls sent in a video. And then as it turned out, Thomas Kane Byrne, who played Kevin, um, was uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Erica, but he had worked with that theatre group. It's the Francesca Arkins. Um, yeah, Thomas went there all through, like when he was growing up. That's yeah. right, yeah. And he'd still, he'd done a play with them or something as well, hadn't he? Yeah, four of the kids are actually in um, the fat stands for St. Bernadette's that we did with Fredline, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So there was, of course, small Dublin, there was a connection there. So, um, yeah, so they came along, the kids fully formed, ready to go. And they were, I have to tell you, the confidence of those kids. I'm so sorry. I have more scenes with them that didn't get in. And I would throw lines at them. Um, what age were they like nine I can't tell kids yeah, age. Like I think they were between like eight and eleven or something like yeah, that yeah and I'm like okay oh, girls, can you just quickly you two say to each other this 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 and they literally go yeah no problem and deliver it like so funny so much sass they're brilliant yeah. I'd actually love to get them in something again like really really talented kids oh amazing and so if someone that kind of said for all of you, what's kind of one thing that you will always remember from shooting Deadly Cuts? Was there like any kind of standout moments or standout memories that uh, that you remember throughout, Angeline? Oh, well, for me, it was the night we had to move. Um, oh, I don't yeah. know whether I can say dead body, can I? Yeah, it's in the, it's in the trailer. Yeah, more or less. That night we had to move the dead body. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was for me it was the best crack and then it was kind of going over that edge that you said oh my god I have to stop laughing because you know but that was great but like seriously so many like crack up moments it was just for me the best thing was meeting the girls and working with Rachel and just being in it really but um yeah that that was pretty I remember that I think I fell down a hole as well like his name <laughs> thank god that's in that scene is in the dark I'd say if it, the lights were running that we'd all be pissing ourselves <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we got one take of that where we weren't laughing like no. tears streaming Shauna what about you was yours the same oh yeah that night was that night was some crack and it was like 20 to finish as well so we were like wreck and we were just crying laughing and we couldn't get uh couldn't keep straight face but that happened a lot so like I think as cliche as it sounds like my favorite part of it was just the crack we had on set like it was just honestly like the best crack ever um we were constantly laughing we were constantly getting in trouble for laughing and not being able to hold a straight face um 
yeah so I think that that was it like just how much fun we had and Erica what about you yeah, there was one day that we were in and it was the, the scene at the very start we were um, in Audrey Bork's house down the mixer and <laughs> we the script supervisor was from South Africa and you know when like something that's usually said in a Dublin accent is said in another accent and it's just <laughs> it just sounds so out of context it's just a whole different and I I there was a line that I couldn't remember and the script supervisor said it like what line was it Rachel oh yeah oh. <laughs> It was something about bollocks or something. Was oh, it could have been any of the lines. It could have been any of the lines. She threw it in. and plastic oh, surgery, you should have went to Bleeding Beacon. Was it that? So I, something like that. But I swear to God, I was pissed myself. <laughs> and then I was like, I was like oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I looked over and JJ, DP and then Rachel were both pissing themselves laughing as well. And then the whole crap. We, we just had so many days like that where there was like, we couldn't uh there's yeah nearly every day actually <laughs> yeah and lauren um all of the above but also um there was a scene at the start of the film <laughs> where um, i was gonna say this <laughs> I, <laughs> it gets me every time i watch the film but it still gets me every time i of it when um Erica comes Erica is after coming downstairs from her flat and she's coming into work or whatever and she comes by me and her are having a chat and then Mrs. Quinn says a big fuck called Noly Poly but it was late in the day it was late in the day it was the last scene we were shooting and Barbara Brown just said a big fuck called Roly Poly and me and Erica I mean and Barbara as well she had tears streaming down her face we had 15 minutes to go we still hadn't got the scene and our first AD Neil was like, we are not going into overtime. Me and Erica nearly wet ourselves. Couldn't, you know, every time we got to it then, we were going, please, please, please get it out, get it out without laughing, get it out without laughing. And we couldn't, we just couldn't get it out. Oh, and we couldn't avoid each other's eye contact either because we were in the mirror. If we looked, <laughs> if we looked to the side, they were beside each other. But if we looked in front, it like they were all so dear. So we couldn't, we were looking down at the ground for ourselves. And well, it was, it was one of our first days on set as well. So me and Erica were like, you know, we didn't want to make a bad impression either. Like, so we were going, <laughs> you stop making me laugh. No, you stop making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we just couldn't stop laughing. And then eventually Rachel was like, take more or do whatever you need to do to, to just but it's like it's like yeah. when you're in school or in like mass or something and once you can't once you're just told you're not allowed laugh it just makes totally. everything 10 times worse yeah yeah but when you're scary. in a rehearsal room and it's like four o'clock of the day and everyone just gets the giggles like you know oh, i can't wait to see it now tomorrow and have a little clock if i can <laughs> know I have to sometime girls get the rushes out at some stage oh like, definitely I would pay to just I to would see pay. what it takes. Yeah. I cry laughing when I watch that back as well. Like it is. Yeah. I'd <laughs> love to see them. Yeah, even when we were sitting in the cinema the other night, Lauren, as soon as she said that line, me and you just looked at oh, each other and were like, oh. <laughs> and in fairness, the take that is picked in the end in the edit, Rachel, like you've cleared it up, you hit it very well. <laughs> we had to. It was the same when Lindsay, any of Annie's lines. You just couldn't stop laughing. Do you remember how much yeah. we laughed with them as well? Yeah. That was oh, very, yeah. I had to cut around the laughing faces in some of them. 
And Rachel, the girls Sorry. just mentioned there um, about uh, JJ. Talk about Blessed Art Thou among women. What was it like kind of uh, picking your crew and kind of crewing up? Because amazing, like DOP and, and, ev- and editing yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, so important. And especially because it was my first feature, you know, like I had to kind of surround myself with people who knew what they were doing, but also people who would be supportive. And really, it was a kind of a no dickheads policy was kind of a huge part of it, because I think the atmosphere was going to be so important. And I wanted to feel comfortable and work with people who you could have a row with. You know what I mean? I think that's where you want to be, but it's not a big deal. And JJ, I knew from commercials. Um, and I knew I liked him um, and I knew I liked his work and he'd done Dublin old school. He was kind of breaking into features. So I met a couple of people JJ and I went for a coffee and chatted about it and he was full of ideas and just really excited about the project. That's kind of what you were looking for as well. Um, and we got on really well. So kind of pretty early on, I was like, great. And, and uh, you know, we're still good friends, JJ and I, and, you know, I'll definitely work with him again. He's a brilliant DP and just collaborative. Um, and then the people he brought with them we're obviously sound as well um and you just kind of I think when you start to build that kind of a team you, it kind of attracts then similar kind of people I mean Lindsay Heron who was head of hair is just the best in the world isn't she girls mm, like yeah she really is such a massive job and you know she just absolute grafter but also the crack as well and mm. you know everyone truly on that crew was a part of the film and got involved in the mess and, and um so yeah it was uh I was lucky to find nice people who were also good at what they did. Amazing. Well, it really, it did really feel like a family from on, on screen and I imagine off screen as well, career wise as well. So Rachel, because as you just said there, it's your first feature. What kind of have you taken away from your first feature kind of maybe do's and don'ts or big lessons or. I'm definitely not shooting outdoors in November, December. <laughs> <laughs> um oh I don't know like so much Neve. you know what I mean like every day was a school day in a lot of ways so I think but I'd say the biggest do's is what I was just talking about I think casting the right people both on screen and off is just going to make your life a hell of a lot easier and what are we doing this for if we're not going to enjoy it yeah so much work none of us are getting rich um yet uh so (laughs) I think that would be the biggest thing is just go with your gut and the casting and the people you involve. Um, and then I think, you know, I've just learned like next time going in, I know more what to expect and how the days run. And, you know, I've learned loads, I think, from it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Looking, looking forward to the next one, so. Yeah, yeah, defo, yeah. I did want to ask, it popped into my um, head, if anyone had any bad hairdresser stories. Um, oh I've heard <laughs> Erica's face straight off. Yeah, I've heard of so hear many bad stories of do you remember when you were a student and you might go and get the cheaper haircuts at the hairdressing schools or people who are training yeah. or dye jobs or anything like that I, I the morning of my nanny's funeral right and now I swear to god I went down to get oh, my hair my hair done right and I don't know now this is I was this was a good 10 years ago and I went out me and my friend me and my best friend Claire we went down to get our hair done and for some reason I decided to get a fringe and my hair dyed red 
right? On the morning, I mean, I need to know, right? So I was sitting there and she cut me hair. It looked like she was had to literally sit in a bowl on top of my head and cut the whole way around. And at the end, she was like, do you like that? And you know the usual, yeah, that's lovely. I ended up tipping her and all, right? And then I came back to the house and the whole family were here ready to go to the church, like for me now. And I walked in the door and everyone just looked and started pissing themselves <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and then me little sister goes, Oh my god, you're the image of Eric Cartman out of South Park. And I was like, Yeah, <laughs> I know. And like that's that was the worst <laughs> I've ever had. Like, oh wow. A Tinder and all like I think I gave her a tenner. What is it? What is it about? Is it an Irish thing where we always go, yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> and we always hate it. <laughs> Yeah. Like if we if you were in America, you'd have sued, I'd say. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like now, but now I'd never do that. If I didn't if I wasn't happy with me here now, I'd be like, no, change yeah, that. Like, you learned yeah. the hard way. Lens, yeah, like definitely. <laughs> Angeline, do you have one? I, I've loads, but I mean I can't talk that one really. But the yeah. only thing that I would say is that one time I came in my hair darker. I decided to have it like low lighted, but it was it it was lovely under the lights in the hairdressers, you know, they could kind of sit you under a spotlight. So it looked yeah. great. And when I got out, I was on the bus going, I think it's kind of a green colour. And it looked like fake hair. And my mother looked, took one look at me. And obviously, because she saw the tears in my eyes, said, it's lovely. Uh, no one would know you. It's like a wig. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I was going for. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> but you always have your elastic band with you when you go to hairdresser. Well, years ago when you're younger, because... You say it's lovely and you smile and you tip them and then you go towards the bus stop after that like 40 minute blow dry putting it up in a plastic yeah. hand and yeah. going from prime yeah <laughs> and lauren what about you do you have one um a couple of years ago i went in i was after letting my hair grow real long and i tend to do that let it grow real long and then get it cut up to my shoulder or kind of you know a blunt cut and i went into a hairdresser that i don't usually go into in town on christmas eve and i said I think it's Christmas Eve and I said uh, would you give me like a blunt cut and like fair and cotton and I showed her a big hair and when I got out I looked like Gail Platt <laughs> <laughs> from Curly <laughs> it was like you know like wispy <laughs> yeah and like you now like all hanging out here and everything like at my ears and she cut <clears throat> it up to my ears and and I was meeting then um my husband for breakfast and then he saw me he was like oh it's such a bright he said it's, it's not that bad it's not that bad and I was like I asked for a fair and cotton and I got Gail Platt like and Shauna what about you I don't think I've actually had one from a hairdresser thank god but I uh I cut myself a little number there when I was about 12 a nice little fringe but um I cut it like I thought it'd be lovely like but it looked like a brick on my head and then it went and time I washed it it was just Sorry, I know this is going to come across on a podcast because I'm doing actions with my hands. But it was just like... It's just tough those, out, like... Yeah, like those little sticky out numbers and my ma kills me. So I had to wear hair bands for about a year and a half. Also, Shauna, the, the, the brown the brown wig, that was a nice one for you, though. That was nice, yeah. But um, before Lindsay that. Heron styled this wig, she put it on her head and she looked Aww. like Coconut Head from Nancy Classified. <laughs> I the first picture I have of that, I was like, oh, mother of Jesus, I like I look like a mushroom. But I, when you were talking about the, the little girls from the dance school earlier on, <laughs> one of the days on set and I was standing and she was like, is that your actual hair? And I was like, no, it's not. It's a wig. And she was like, to say that. And I was like, I know, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> the confidence over it. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> what can I do? I'm so sorry, Sean. I, you'll never forgive me for that way. I stopped. I went to see it yesterday again. And um, my auntie was like, I actually really liked that on your head. It was nice after she styled it and all. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, it was. It was lovely. But just when you first put it on, I swear to God, she was like, oh, my God, me and Aaron were like, it's grand. Seriously. <laughs> lovely. Just because my face is the shape of a football anyway. So that didn't mean no favourites. <laughs> no, it was very. Is, what was he? Your Harry Potter wig? My Harry Potter wig, yeah. <laughs> and Rachel, do you have any off. bad stories? From hairdressers? Um, no, I don't have anything really dramatic. I've had the same hairdo for years. So um, if it's not broke. Don't fix it. This is yeah. it. Totally, yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say the film is just, it's so much fun. And it has, my favorite thing about it is that it just, it, it's got a lot of heart. And I encourage all of our listeners to go and check it out. It's in cinemas now in Ireland and the UK. Um, so have a night out and go and enjoy it. And ladies, thank you so much for coming on to chat to me. And here at Irish Film London, we wish you the best with the journey of Deadly Cuts and also all of your individual successes in the future. And we look forward to seeing you very soon. Thanks so thank much. You. Thank you. Thanks, ladies. Thanks for having us. Bye. Thanks, Summer. And that's it from me here today. Thank you so much for listening and thank you again to the lovely ladies of Deadly Cuts. I hope you all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube to keep up to date on all of our events and of course our big upcoming festival. If you enjoy our podcast and everything else we have in store for you guys, do consider becoming a member to support us and to get free access to a lot of great films and to attend exciting events in the very near future. A final thank you to the Irish Emigrant Support Programme and to Culture Ireland, who've been brilliant supporters of ours for years, Gurmila Maguth. The Irish Film London podcast is produced by me, Neve Brannigan. We're edited by Owen Bill Cliff and our theme music is by Kevin MacLeod. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.